Today I want to begin a series, perhaps two or three parts of this study having to do with discipleship because discipleship becomes the most important mission of the church. That thing where fellow believers like you and me intentionally, and I want to emphasize the word where we would intentionally reach into each other's lives to train and encourage one another in, first of all, who Christ is. Who Christ is. And then in how we're to trust Him with all of our hearts. And so with that, may we look at our Scripture text because that's exactly what the Apostle Peter was demonstrating to us here in these books of First and Second Peter. May I read again our text from 2 Peter 1, 16-19. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on that holy mountain. And we also have the prophetic word that's more more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. As we read these words, we can recall some of the last words of instruction that the Lord Jesus gave to the Apostle Peter. You'll recall that they were meeting there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus called the Apostle Peter aside and in a conversation that he had with Peter, he strongly emphasized this need for discipleship. He didn't call it discipleship at that moment. He simply said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Let me read these words for you. This is from John 21. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He, this is Jesus, said to Peter a second time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Then tend my my sheep. Then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then feed my sheep. Now, imagine for a moment what was taking place there. This is not just one friend saying to another, Peter, my time and my mission is almost over here on earth, and I'll need to leave soon. After I'm gone, I'm going to need for you to take up the mantle of my mission and to carry it on forward. Do you love me enough to do that for me? 
to make sure that my beloved sheep are being fed and cared for. Now, to the ordinary reader, it may seem that that was all that was taking place, that one friend was passing on this mantle of responsibility to another. And to some extent it was. But it was so much more because by this time, Peter knew who Jesus really was. And that Jesus' commands were more than just a friend passing along a request to another friend. Peter knew that Jesus was the Christ. He had confessed that earlier. That Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Creator of the universe, the Almighty God. And that the church that Jesus was now putting into place was the single most important endeavor that mankind would ever experience. Everything that Jesus had done up until that day was leading to that point where the church would be established. Jesus is saying, Peter, it begins here. It begins here and it begins with you and these other disciples. And you're going to need to carry on forward the thing that I have begun to the ends of the earth and and to the ends of all time. Just as I, Peter, made disciples of you and the others, now you're going to have to be just as faithful to step on forward and to do the same, to make disciples for me wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Then all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's discipleship. And he said, Surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. Those were the marching orders that Jesus left with Peter and the rest of the disciples. And now here, some few years later, in these letters, we see Peter being faithful to that task, to the commands and to the calling that Jesus had given to him. Here Peter was feeding and discipling and caring for Jesus' sheep. As we said earlier, these two letters are part of instructions to a group of Jewish believers who in the earlier dispersion had been resettled there in Asia Minor, which is part of what is now day Turkey. And how those people first came to know the Lord, we're not told. We're not told how they first received their salvation in Christ. But they were saved. And Peter says that. And they were hungering for God. And in need of ongoing teaching and discipleship. And that was exactly what Peter was doing here with these words. Now I want to pause here and say to us that this is perhaps one of the greatest needs, but also one of the greatest failings that takes place within the church today. There's a lot of initial evangelism that takes place, both inside and outside the churches. And rightfully so. We're supposed to be evangelists. All of us are called to go into all the world and to preach the gospel And it all begins with evangelism. I do wish that we had a crowd that uh, we could have an altar call each Sunday. I do wish that we had circumstances where we could be involved in mission trips. 
because that's where people come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. But listen, once the gospel has been given and received and salvation takes place, as with these dear ones that Peter is addressing his words, the efforts then are no longer on evangelism, but the efforts need to be just as strong and just as determined and must not diminish for a moment. The next step is discipleship. That's the failing within our churches. We have very little discipleship taking place. But it must begin immediately after salvation and be unending. It is absolutely essential to the life and to the growth of all newly born souls. It's through discipleship that spiritually adolescent souls will be carried into their next step of maturity. And it can't just take place with 20 minutes of sermon on Sunday. Much has to be devoted. Much time, much energy must be devoted to discipleship. Now notice here where Peter begins with his discipleship. He uses both eyewitness and the witness of the word of Scripture He says in verse 16, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. So now you have this person standing in a sense in front of these people saying, I saw the majesty of God with my own eyes. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain and then he switches to the second he first has the eyewitness and then he says we also have the prophetic word that's more more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart now while you and I have not had that wonderful privilege that Peter had of actually being face-to-face with Jesus. You and I do have an experience of our own personal salvation. And because of that, you and I have a special story that we can tell. And if you don't, then you need to develop one. One of the things that we did with our kids at French camp was we would ask them to write out their testimony. Why do you need to write out your testimony? Because you need to be an eyewitness of sorts of what Christ has done within your life. Because if you don't have that experience, then let me warn you, you need to have that experience. You need to have a form of an eyewitness testimony that you can say very readily to the next person that you have opportunity to witness to. You need to be able to give them your personal testimony. And then he says, secondly, we have these scriptures, all these many prophecies of the Old Testament. Read through Isaiah. Isaiah tells us all about how this baby is going to be born. And he's going to be the Prince of Peace. That was 700 years before Jesus was born. And then in Isaiah 53, he talks about how 
Jesus was going to be crucified. So we have the prophecies of the Old Testament, but then we have the New Testament showing where all of those came into fulfillment, the proof of what was taking place. Now again, may I say to us that discipleship is so very, very important and necessary. Otherwise, a newly born soul will immediately begin to weaken and wither and deteriorate and then die on the vine. Think about the parable of the soils. The first one and the second soil. The seed is spread. Just as soon in that first soil, just as soon as the seed is spread, birds are going out picking up the seed. Jesus explained later to the disciples, He says, that's the devil. He's reaching in and He's grabbing those seeds up so that they cannot take root. That's why you need discipleship. Am I saying that without discipleship that a new Christian might lose their salvation? No. When salvation takes place, it's sure. But something, something of a similar sort does seem to take place if discipleship does not take place. If a newly formed branch does not immediately begin to receive nutrients, it begins to die. Jesus said that. He said in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. Now I don't know how that works out in the life of a true believer that's not going to lose their salvation, but let me say to you, they do become shriveled and unproductive without discipleship. And that's why Jesus was exhorting the apostle Peter so strongly to be faithful to disciple and to feed and to care for his sheep because Jesus knows us and he knew his sheep and he knew that they and we are in constant need of care. I carried that analogy of the sheep a little further in my mind and was thinking, you know, it's the nature of sheep to simply not be able to take care of themselves. Think about it for a moment. I remember our journeys through England and Scotland especially. Those sheep were totally dependent upon their shepherd to take them from pasture to pasture, from places for, for food and water to the next place, or else they'd perish. They have no way of finding their own food and water. And so it is with you and me, with all of those who become believers in Christ. You walk down that aisle, you give your heart to Christ, and then you turn around and there's nobody there to help. heard a sermon one time on Jesus raising Lazarus, his friend Lazarus, from the dead. The focus of that message was Jesus said immediately to Lazarus' friends, help him take off his grave clothes. He had raised Lazarus from the dead, but he still had death all over him. All of his grave clothes. All of his death clothes. Those wrappings and those embalmings. He still had the stench of death on him. But what was Jesus' instructions? Help him. This is, the, this is believers being told, help this dead person that now has come back to life 
remove that death from them, that stench of death from them. And that's what so much of discipleship is all about. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. And here's in the very first verse of Second Peter 1 is Peter's assuring them, you are saved. Now you're saved. And I want you to know that for sure. But it's time to move on from just being saved. And, and in next week and perhaps the next one, we're going to go back and review how he says, this is what you've got to do now. The very next thing that you need to do. But I need to stop here for a moment and say to you all, I know we've said this in earlier messages, but I want us to stop again and for each of us to ask ourselves, are we absolutely sure, are you absolutely sure that you are fully saved? Because discipleship will do you no good if you're not saved. Discipleship does no has no profit within you, has, is not able to bless you unless you're saved. Are you sure that you're saved? Now, by the way, 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us that we are to do that on a regular basis, to go back and ask ourselves, are we saved? To examine ourselves. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. God says, it does not hurt you one bit to go back and say, Lord, I've been struggling. Am I truly saved? You're not going to unsave yourself if you're saved. But you may need to take another step. I was reminded in our early years, or in our many years at French camp, with the students there, Quite often, those who would pray to receive Christ would lapse into some form of doubt. And we'd have to walk back with them through their salvation experience. Sometimes we'd have to go all the way back to the beginning. Why would God even want to save me, they would say. One of the scriptures that I've used here often, we've talked about, is in Ecclesiastes 3 where it tells us that God has placed eternity within the hearts of men. That's the working of the Holy Spirit in our minds and in our thoughts, making us to know that there is something beyond the natural realms of life. And God puts that into every heart, mind, thought of every person that's ever existed and that will ever exist. To say that there is something beyond this natural life that we experience. And it's in that special mystery that we realize that there is more to life more to responsibility more to accountability for our daily behavior than we might know about and that we need to be aware of and if we respond to that mystery in the right way then we'll eventually realize that we must not face that accountability on our own I'm a sinner in need of a savior you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And you and I dare not, dare not face that accountability on our own, by ourselves, because we cannot. We desperately need someone to stand there for us, not just with us, but for us. A Savior that will take our penalty for us because we cannot take any part of that penalty because we will surely pay.
perish. And that's when the Holy Spirit leads us to witness these Scriptures. And we dig into these Scriptures and we get to see ourselves. And we get to see Christ. We get to see who He's supposed to be within our hearts. It's then that we place our faith and our trust in Him and we're saved. Folks, this is discipleship. It's going to happen in many different ways with each of us. It's going to come up in conversations in your workplace. It's going to come up in conversations across the bed of your pickup truck. And you have an accountability to disciple, to be witnesses, to give them your eyewitness and then to be able to know the Scriptures and then reach back into those Scriptures, remembering all that God has done to bring you to this place and what He wants to do for that person that is standing there with you. That's discipleship. It's that continually remembering and rehearsing the truths of God to ourselves and to others who will join with us in Bible studies and Sunday school and church and especially all those ordinary daily conversations that we find ourselves involved in. So the next phone call that you're on and you spend 30 minutes talking, how valuable is or was that 30 minutes? Did it have some discipleship within it? Folks, listen. You don't know who you have on the other end of that conversation. Discipleship is often akin to raising our heads out of the depths of the waters of life and getting a fresh breath of air. You may need that breath of air, but that person you're talking to may especially need that breath of air. You and I need to be imparting a fresh breath of air of discipleship into every life that we have an opportunity to be involved in. Well, we have a lot more to say about discipleship, but I'm going to stop here for today. Let me just read our Scripture again and we'll close. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty for when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to Him by the majestic glory This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And then we also have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Let's pray.